The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. This is Radioactive Metal, your source for news, views, tunes, and interviews. Here are your hosts, Snowy, Rock, Corrine, and Aaron. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a Up and Down That Dial episode of Radioactive Metal. This is episode 763, and I'm Snowy White. And this is Aaron, and dear listeners, this episode is brought to you by the fine folks at True Call Coffee, T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T-Coffee.com. Now, if by some chance you follow the hard times news like we do here on the show, you may have seen where they posted that, you know, something about a coworker and making um, coffee in a more inconvenient way makes it taste better. Well, you want to make your coffee taste better and make it easy on you. Just go to True Call Coffee. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to try the fancy things, you want to try a French press. There's instructions on the site on how to do that. Because these guys obsess over coffee. It's not just, hey, let's put some metal logo on here and do coffee, right? Like, like, like whatever, you know, it's not, it's not crockpot coffee. This isn't set and forget. These are people that take this stuff seriously. They take the crafting things seriously. And that's why there's all sorts of custom coffee accessories, T-shirts, mugs, what have you on the site. And Embodiment Printing Press is an offshoot of this where Mr. Coffee Bean Occulta just makes pretty much everything, right? Like the, the mm-hmm. guy's a modern day renaissance man. Like there's pretty much nothing he can't do. And when you buy from True Call Coffee, you're supporting a small family that's a small business in Ohio. And, mm. you know, Ohio sucks. So do everything <laughs> you can to support them. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we know a lot of metalheads in Ohio, and some have moved out because they've hated it. And others are kind of like on, on, the, fence, on the fence about it, and others absolutely love the Cleveland scene and and I'm glad well, Cle- you... Cleveland's okay. It's, yeah. it's the rest of it I have a problem with. And and considering uh, tonight's uh, 
discussion topic, I'm glad you mentioned Ohio. Kind of a uh, prelude to what we're going to be talking about Cincinnati's later. Cincinnati's so. all right, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But True Call Coffee, T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T-Coffee.com. Um, if you're not on the mailing list, you're going to miss out on Krampus Roast. Uh, it, mm-hmm. may, it may already be out. It may already be sold out because they don't mess around. It's a special thing every year. It It's it's a way to kick off the holiday season for Metalhead, and it's a fantastic thing. So go out there, support them, because they are a great company making great coffee. What's going on with you, Snowman? Well, myself, I got a little of the True Cavalts coffee going on here with a little bit of Bailey's and some ice. So it's kind of like an ice cold brew, oh, nice. I guess, in my giant size Friday the 13th mug. And all that. So, yeah, I'm already off and running. As we are doing this, it is a Monday, and winter is back here. We actually, yeah, yeah, we actually, on the way to work today, I actually had to put my hoodie, my the hood of my hoodie up. So does that mean it was in negative temperatures for you? Uh, Yeah, we were on the other side of minus 20 for a while today, which is still... It's still nice for if you're a hardy Canadian like like I am. It's still not that bad. Like my comfort zones, okay, and this is in Celsius. My 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 comfort zone is plus twenty to minus twenty. Everything, everything in between there, which I know, you know, people from Carolina and Florida and all that, they'll be like, "What are you crazy? Minus twenty? That's fucking freezing." Well. Uh, Maybe not. Yeah, I mean, minus twenty, you're below freezing, so that's that's still pretty damn cold. But you know, the plus twenty, I'm like, yeah, no, I can see that. Yeah, that's that's the perfect little, that's the perfect range. But uh, yeah, we got some stuff to uh, talk about, so I figure we're going to jump right into things with. Uh, this week's mandatory metal, courtesy of the good folks at True Cavalt Coffee. I want to say hello and a shout out to Winnipeg Black Metalers Primordial Serpent. Ooh, that's just a one-man solo project up here. And it's consistently putting out really, really cool stuff this past week. On his um, on his social medias, he was proudly displaying the new antagonistic philosophy zine that um, yeah, still doing the homemade fanzines and all that. I gotta, I've 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 been having that in the back of my head now for a little while to kind of get back into the zine scene, shall we say? I don't know, maybe something like this will kind of push me into that direction. Well. Mr. Serpent is featured in the aforementioned antagonistic philosophy zine, and we think that's really cool. So I thought, hey, dude, let's uh, drop a track here from you, courtesy of this week's Mandatory Metal. So once again, Winnipeg's Primordial Serpent with Through Torment and Fire.
been very busy this week. Here's our metal fix. Hey, dude, what you got? All right, man. So let's start with Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Have you seen uh-huh. it? No, it's on. Okay, it's on Apple Plus, right? Correct. Correct. Apple TV Plus. Now, do you? It's 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 another subscription service channel, right? Like Crave did Dis- yes. Disney Plus. And it my- is. I'm sure there's a trial period. And mm-hmm. at this point, like, like if I were you, I would wait till closer to the end of the series. So you could binge it. Right. Um, it, you know, however, if, if you're looking for like the Charlie Brown Christmas and things like that streaming, that's also on Apple TV plus. Okay. Um, but also I will, highly recommend because I this would be I really picture this being a living room date night show for you and Mrs. Snowy with a cup of true call coffee but lessons in chemistry lessons in chemistry that show is fantastic it's about a female chemist in the 60s fighting racism feminism you know um, well not fighting feminism but you know I know what you meant yeah Fuck! What do I mean? Sorry, I've been drinking too. Like, <laughs> I'm having a little whiskey on the rocks here. Right on. Damn it! What do we call that? Just being feminist. No, 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 no. Sexist, sexism. Thank oh, jeez. She's fighting sexism. <sighs> that was tough. Yeah, and so you know, br- brilliant scientist meets another brilliant scientist. The story takes all kinds of twists and turns. She ends up hosting a TV show about cooking. And I just feel that you two will fall in love with her character. 
I don't doubt that. Yeah, and it's played by Brie Larson. Oh, oh, I'm in. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> okay. dude, this this is some of her best work. I mean, okay. she's a phenomenal actress. I loved her in Kong Skull Island. Mm-hmm. Right, obviously as Captain Marvel, I've been a big fan. But dude, this this the series, just the way it's written, the way she performs it, just holy shit, dude. Like, if she doesn't get some sort of an award for this movie, I'm going to be pissed. Lessons in chemistry. Or this, oh, sorry, not movie, but this series. Like, this she, series, she yeah. should get some sort of recognition for it. it she has to be for a best actress because of it. Because it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Right on. I'm writing it down. Yeah. Dude, you, you got to see it. You know, you'll love it. But my son and I have been watching uh, Legacy of Monsters. When they dropped the first ones, it was two episodes at a time. So, of course, we watched those back to back. And mm-hmm. then there was a new one on Wednesday. So, we watched that one. Oh, sorry, trying to stifle my yawn there. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've had a long day, too. Well, and I'm drinking. Like, I started drinking 30 minutes ago. That was, okay. that, that was probably a poor choice. <laughs> you know, no, I've been drinking for more than 30 minutes. It's 8 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Should, should I, yeah, I should have waited. But anyway, <laughs> point being, um, and then this Friday, the new episode comes out. And, dude, it's it's so good. Kirk Douglas is in it. Um, okay. No, not Kirk Douglas. Kurt Russell, sorry. Kurt oh, Russell's in really? It. Yeah, and his son. His son okay. plays him when he's younger. Ah. And then sense. he plays himself now. Um. Dude, it's it's good. It, it's all kinds of twists and turns. I have no idea where it's going. And, of course, monsters galore. So I'm happy. <laughs> right on. Yeah, super good. Super good. All right. So beside me, as we talk, I have a new base. Oh, right on. And when I say new base, it's actually an old base. I can't remember if I talked about this live on the air, but when I was down in Florida for work and at the same time I would have happened to visit Universal Studios for Halloween Horror Nights, um, Mm -hmm. of course, I'm going to hit up any local guitar shops I can find. And there's a Sam Ash music. So I go to Sam Ash music. I'm checking out, you know, everything they have. And I see this base and I, I recognize it because it looks like one that I used to own. So I know the year or, you know, roughly off the top of my head. And so I'm like, Hey, can I play it? I'm like, wow, this place is good. Cause it's a seventies model. Historically seventies model, almost anything guitar wise sucks. Not everything. If it's, if it was Japanese made, it was fine because the ja- the Japanese were like, why would you want to make something this poor quality? <laughs> Which is, you know, fix it. Right? So <clears throat> that that's honestly why the Japanese market took on because during the 70s, you know, the American market was putting out crap and the Japanese were not. So it's like, well, why would I spend more money on something that doesn't play as good as this? You know? <clears throat> mm-hmm. But, so this... 70s base. I owned one. The neck took a dive. It was just, you know, warped. Is never really fixable. And as I'm looking at this, I I don't have good pictures of my old base, but I think this one might be fancier. But it, it, like I said, it was similar, same color, reminded me of it. And I'm like, oh, I got to play this. So I pick it up, and it plays well. 
Mm, okay. Oh, this is really good. And the price on it was pretty decent for a base of this age, right? Because now we're starting to get into what's called quote-unquote vintage territory. And vintage instruments, especially fenders, are all over the place, man. So this one, I started asking. I'm like looking at it, and I'm like, what's the story on this base? Because I saw they put a new bridge on it, and the bridge that's on it is a bridge that I'd always wanted. It's called a badass. Oh, that's right on. Literally the name of the bridge. It's a badass bridge. <laughs> and um, the whole point of it is it's actually a, um, a a higher mass bridge to, you know, make better body contact, transfer vibration, all that sort of stuff. You know, all the all these theories that people keep, you know, playing with over the years. And um, so I'm like, oh, look at the badass bridge. And then I'm looking at it, and I'm like, why did they route out the body? Like they actually recessed the body to sink the bridge into the body. That's not how you mount a bridge. The bridge is always a top mount, right? Okay. And the route's also not completely clean. Like there's a lot of gaps. There's little things here. So then I started looking at that. And then I started looking at the pickups. I'm like, well, that's interesting. There's a lot of space on each side of this pickup. What's going on there? And I'm checking things out. And so I asked the people at the store, I'm like, okay, tell me more about this base. And they're like, well, yeah, we don't know what's going on. Like, we took it apart. Uh, the neck plate is from 75. The neck, I think the neck is unverifiable. And the body, I think they said it was either a 76 or a 78, maybe. Um, okay. And then, you know, I knew that the pickups weren't stock because I know what the stock pickups lo just look like. And um, so I knew these these weren't stock. And they said, yeah, I think they're Duncans. And so I got it home. I thought, I'd, you know, well, now I've got it home. I'll finish that story. But I looked at the electronics. I don't know what the hell's going on. But these are Japanese electronics, which is not what I should be seeing on this particular base. So there, there's just been so many things, you know, and I left the store. I'm like, ah, that price is too much, it's, especially just for all the little quirks. And, yeah, and, and I was really stuck on stupid things like, OK, well, you know, there's no original hardware and there's like little covers and pieces that are missing like that's missing. No original case. None of that stuff. And, you know, like all this stuff is in my mind. But then I started thinking, I'm like. Yeah, but it actually plays like and it plays well because there's people that spend thousands on vintage 70s instruments that play like garbage. Mm, like, right. They just don't play just because that was just what was happening at that time. They weren't putting out great instruments. And that's part of why, you know, the Fender employees are like, we can't take this anymore and bought the company back from CBS, you know. So um, I keep thinking about it. And then it occurred to me, Johnny Cash is one piece at a time, right? Like that, you okay. know, just, just keep getting one piece until you put something together that, that works, no matter what it looks like or, you know, the aesthetics, that sort of thing. And, I, of course, it's near Halloween. I'm thinking about Frankenstein's monster. So, you know, that's the end of September I see this base. And so finally, like a week ago, I call and I'm like, you guys probably still don't have this base. But when I was there in September, I played, and I told them about it, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's still here. And I'm like, yeah. oh. <clears throat> right on. And 
you know, I, I talked to him, like I'm going to come down on the price a little bit. Cause like, like I still am like the price I got, it's a good price. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have paid less and not even, not even because I mean, you always want to pay less, but it, it's more the fact that like, there's nothing vintage quote unquote about this instrument other than like the neck, the tuning keys and the body at this point, I think. Okay. Everything else has been pieced together, um, different eras, different things. And, you know, now in the spirit of that, I'm going to keep going. And and that's actually like the stuff that, that originally I was like, nah, I, I don't think I want this is what got me into it. Because the fact that somebody played the hell out of this, right? Like just mm-hmm. looking at the body, looking at it at the neck, like somebody played the hell out of this. So this thing really plays. Um, how it ended up there, I have no idea. I honestly think that they took it in on trade or something and probably gave the person more money than they should have because they didn't realize the quirks until later. Um, but I'm, I'm thrilled to have this in my possession and I plan to, um, mod it even more. Um, I want to put different pickups in it again. I was looking in, I found a guy in Portland that does wiring harnesses that will be well way better than what's in there right now because the electronics sometimes work sometimes don't Mm -hmm. i figured out that whoever put these pickups in put them in backwards (laughs) um meaning the one that's closest to the neck should have been where uh closest to the bridge and vice versa maybe like maybe this guy was a hendrix fan because didn't hendrix's strings like no no, his, his no, th- this is bad. clearly somebody who just didn't realize that the pickups were different lengths. Because that's <laughs> why there's gaps. I, I was reaching, but yeah, hey. no, you were. You were. And and it was a good one. Right. But I mean, in defense of whoever put these in, I didn't know the pickups were different lengths. I've been playing jazz basses for years. I had no idea. I never I never sat down to measure the pickup. You know, I didn't understand why there's a bridge and a neck. Never occurred to me to even ask, right? Mm-hmm. So I plan on uh, doing that, but then, and this is the part that's going to make you proud. Um, I started looking around for another pick card because I, I kind of want to put a sticker on this base, but at the same time, I don't want to sticker it because I, I've never liked putting stickers on my guitars, you know, that sort of thing. And I mean, this finish has been through a lot. Like you can see lots of finish cracks. And it's it's part of the character, man. Like I, I really, I'm excited with this, you know. And um, so I found this company in Nova Scotia, Canada, mm-hmm. and they make great custom pickguards. They have an entire section on horror, and mm. they have a Frankenstein's monster pickguard. There we go. And I dig the art. I like the way it's positioned. I'm like, oh, this is gonna look really good. So I've been emailing back and forth with the guy because I'm as you know, print out one of the templates. I'm like, hey, this isn't fitting. What do you have that should fit a base? It's right around this era. He's like, hey, I have a template for this. Tell me if this works. And it does. So hopefully I'll be getting that. But yeah, man, like I'm I'm excited. Right on. Yeah. As and, well you should. As well you should. Well, and I'm gonna put flat wound strings on this, right? Um <clears throat> now for 
for anybody who doesn't know, typically your strings are round wound. And that means that you have a core wire, but then the wire they wind around that wire is round. And, mm-hmm. you know, that gives it the texture that it has. And for for me, for my taste, it's a much brighter sound. I like it. I play GHS Boomers, which the, some people hate because they think it's too bright. And the funny part is for every person that hates it, everybody seems to like my bass sound, you know. So it works for me, right? Right on. And flat wounds mean that instead of, you know, the metal being round, it's, well, it's flat. It's like tape, right? And so they wrap that around, mm-hmm. and that's more like an orchestral string. So like, you know, what's on cellos and basses and that sort of thing. And, uh-huh. you know, that's that's what the electric basses started out with because that's what Leo started with. And we didn't get round wound strings till sometime in the 60s when John Entwistle went to Roto Sound and said, hey, couldn't you just make a big guitar string? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, but I want to put a set of flats on here because this thing has such a cool vintage vibe. Dude, uh, so most basses weigh between like eight to nine pounds, right? Yeah, you people that the only one like a lighter one that's like eight. Some people like them a little heavier, like nine to 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. This thing's almost 12 pounds. Okay. I've never owned a bass this heavy in my life. Like, yeah. like when I first picked up, I'm like, this thing's like a fucking rock, right? And there's just, man, there's just so many cool, cool things about it. I, I want to put flat wounds on it. And then, like, for, okay, for, for our metal family out here, Steve Harris plays flat wounds, right? I, okay. I can't remember if he plays Rotosound, the swing bass flats, or if he plays Labellas. I think he plays Rotosounds. And it would make sense because it's a British company. But he changes his strings all the time. So he gets his um, flat wounds to sound like my round wounds because a fresh set of flat wounds is very bright, you know, a lot, a lot of trouble. But then as they mellow, you get a much deeper tone. But they vibrate ah, differently okay. than a round wound. And so think like Motown, James Jamerson kind of bass lines. Okay. And that's that's what I want to do with this instrument. I want to, because I don't have any basses that I string like that. And so I want to make something that's going to have that classic, you know, kind of going for like what Carol Kay did for the Beatles. Or not the Beatles, I'm sorry, the Beach Boys. But like that era. I want to try and get like that 60s sound you know, on a bass and just, I mean, dude, I'm playing this thing right now. It just, it plays great. <laughs> it's got a great neck and I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to do something different on this, you know, and, right and just really make it part of like my rock and roll monster family here. But yeah. Yeah. So, so that's that now all that I'm sure you've heard Johnny Cash is one piece at a time, right? Uh, not off the top of my head. Okay. Like so to, to the story it, is, go, oh, okay. this guy goes to work on the Cadillac assembly line in 1949, right? And he really wants to get a Cadillac, so he hatches a plan to just sneak a piece out every day. Mm. Right? Okay. And so from 49 to about 73, he sneaks pieces out every day, either in his lunchbox or his friend's mobile home. And then one night they put it all together. And that's the joke. They're like, well, we looked at the headlights. There's one on the left and two on the right. But when we pulled the switch, all three came on, you know. 
<laughs> and and like okay. only one tail fin, just like it looks like Frankenstein's monster, right? Assembled. Right. And it, it towards the end of that song, he's he, like having this imaginary conversation with like somebody else over the, the CB radio. And he's like, yeah, this is the, uh, the cotton mouth in the psychobilly Cadillac. And when I heard that, like, that's probably going to be how I refer to this bass is the psychobilly Cadillac. Oh, I love it. Um, but yeah. then I'm like, well, wait a second. Psychobilly Cadillac. What year is this song? And son of a gun, dude, I think that the reason psychobilly is called psychobilly is thanks to Johnny Cash. Okay. Because I think that, you know, when, when the genre was coming up, they took that name from the end of that song. Right, right. Because uh, all, all, all respect to the man in black, but he wasn't listening to psychobilly music. Well, but you know, he kind of started, dude. He was playing rockabilly. Oh yeah, like he would have you know, started it, but he he wasn't listening. Like as he was, well, I don't know, maybe I, not because he wasn't. He liked Nine Inch Nails. Obviously. I was gonna say, dude, like yeah, I, maybe I wouldn't put maybe. it past him. You know, like maybe he was into the necromantics and yeah. all that. I I, 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 would, I, I would see like to him think giving so. that a twist. You know, yeah, I would like to think so. Okay. Yeah, I could. So I've been listening to, to, to that song a lot. And then I found some a Jerry Reed song. I know, like, you guys are like, this isn't metal. <laughs> I'm like, but it is, man, because these fuckers are outlaws. You know? And Jerry Reed has this great song called The Preacher and the Bear. And essentially, it's this preacher who decides to go golfing on Sunday rather than go to church. And okay. he's chased by a bear. Ah. And, um, and he's, you know, praying to God. He's like... He's like, Lord, if you can't help me, at least don't help the bear. <laughs> so it's 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 a fun damn song, man. Like it's really really fun. I don't, as in I don't I don't need to outrun the bear. I just need to outrun my buddy. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Now <laughs> we're gonna wind this up with a, with a couple of things here. One, since I've been talking about you know the 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 help from the fine Canadian fellow in Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. What is the favorite key? the Canadian musicians like to play in? Like, what's a Canadian musician's favorite key? Oh, shit. I am not the guy to be asking this. I oh, got about... Yes, you are. I have about 500 friends up here that could answer this. I don't know if I could. What oh, key? Oh, you, you, you should be able to, because their favorite key is A. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Come okay. on, that's pretty good, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm using that. I'm Please using do. Please yes. do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm using that. That's All right. And then I have to ask you this question because I could I couldn't believe like I understand that you know certain bands are of a certain era and when you get to a certain age people aren't going to know them and especially depending on how your tastes go and you know things don't always come over. Mm -hmm. But this one guitar podcast I listen to they're they're, you know, referencing this guitar and it, it's making all these metal references. And these guys are not metal guys. You know, they, 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 they fake it pretty good, you know, and they're, they act like they know it. But, but this is the biggest miss they've ever had, at least for me. Um, because they're like, oh, yeah, if you want to be Ross the Boss, the one guy goes, who's Ross the Boss? Is that Gary Rossington? 
Now, Gary Rossington was of Leonard Skinner, and that's pretty impressive because mm-hmm. the guy's 10 years younger than me, and he knows who Gary Rossington is, and I wouldn't have guessed that. But Ross the Boss, you know who Ross the Boss is, Of right? course, radioactive right? metal alum. Right. Okay, there we go. And play with Manowar. Play right. with, um, oh, shit, I'm going to screw this up. It's not the Vibrators, is it? No. No. The punk band. Oh, shit. Which one was it again? Yeah, oh. you're right. Is it the I, Stimulators? No, that was, um, that was hardly I it all Flanagan. You said it. Yeah. Oh, shit. Damn it. Okay, I got to look it up. It's going to drive me crazy. We have like a thousand people swearing at their iPod Oh, I right know. Now. I know. You, know? <laughs> you fucking guys. What do you mean you don't know? Well, because I, my, my favorite work for him is always going to be Man of War's Kings of Metal record. That's a good choice. Always. Like I that record is one of the great The Dictators. There we are. <sighs> and and I knew I knew because um Mark the Animal Mendoza also played in The Dictators. Ah, okay. You know, from uh from Twisted Sister. So Yeah, yeah, like I knew I knew that. <laughs> Damn it. But anyway, yeah. So all right, you know Ross the Boss. I feel like that's not an age test. You know, that's definitely yeah, yeah. That that would be someone that if some someone of a per of, of a certain age, but also of a certain knowledge. Okay, like a like. Okay, every everyone knows who Man of War is, but does everyone know? Well, I'm you know, wondering unless, if everybody like knows who Man of War is, right? Like, well, are, are Man of War that big of a band? Like, they they might be on the like, because I, I feel like if you say Guar, almost everybody knows who Guar is now, right? Right. Almost everybody knows who Anthrax is. Um, I, I think we could even possibly find people who still know who Overkill is. But I don't know about Manowar because they were a really spe- specific, you know, that power metal, we'll say, kind of kind of sound. And I just, I don't, I mean, they didn't have a single radio hit. Like Overkill, I've heard on the radio, right? Oh, okay. Like Anthrax, I've heard on the radio. Every other band I think I've mentioned, uh, other than Manowar, I have heard on the radio. Like terrestrial radio, you know? Yeah. I so, I, do people know who Man of War is if you're not part of this scene? Oh, uh, yeah. I think that's no. That's a very metal band. Well, yeah, yeah. but I mean, if you're a normie. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I'm trying to to spit out. Probably yeah. not. You know what? I'm gonna ask some normies. Like at my Clark Kent job and just friends of my siblings and all that. If they've ever people that know, yeah, you know, that would make for an interesting discussion. Some sometime down the line, pick certain bands that we think might kind of be on the fence. You know, like whether or not like who who the normies would know and who they wouldn't. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a good idea. I think I'm going to um I think I'm gonna look into that. 
This is a segment we almost need to be standing on a street corner in Canada doing. Uh-huh. I think so. Do you have a few minutes? We'd like to conduct a poll with you. Yeah. If we said the name Man of War, what comes to mind? Oh, those terrible jellyfish. Oh. Or, yeah. <clears throat> or, or the racehorse. Oh, I don't know the racehorse. Yeah, that's where they got their name from. Was Really? Yeah. I honestly fear they took it from the jellyfish. I know the jellyfish is new to me. It really? You don't know the man of war? The Portuguese man of war is one of the most deadliest je- jellyfish in the world. No, I did not know that. Learn something new every day, just like well, my dad used to say. I, I am an ocean nerd, too. For And we talked about this before, but yeah, for a kid that grew up landlocked, I know a lot about the water. <laughs> well, you're on the beach now. Like you're Now? Yeah. But that's only like the last 10 years of my life. Okay. I, I spent, you know, the majority of it landlocked. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, me too. Yeah. It's kind of funny. All right. So, <sighs> Ross the boss. And, and, and the thing is, like, growing up, and, and this is just, you know, it's, it's almost like lamenting things. But, I mean, growing up when we grew up, you know, you've mentioned all the metal magazines that you read. You know, mm-hmm. down here for me, it was Hit Parader, Metal Edge, and, oh, fuck, there's another one. Hit Parader, Metal Circus, Edge, Circus, rip, thank rip. you. you, 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 you well, rip occasionally, they didn't always make it out, but Circus, Metal Edge, Hit Parader, those three. Right, yeah. Those right, the, those are the big ones. So, Ross the Boss and Man of War were always featured in there, and then, I mean... They also had ads, right? There were ads mm-hmm. for those bands or ads where Ross the Boss was, you know, uh, schlepping some guitar he was playing. Um, and then, of course, all the guitar magazines I was reading. So it's just uh, for me. And then, of course, anybody at, th- at that time who knew me, like once I discovered the Kings of Metal record, dude, I dove into the Man of War catalog like that. That album, I'm like, holy shit, this bass player, Joey DeMaio, dude, just wow. You know, he is something. And so anybody that knew me was going to be subjected to some sort of Man of War album at some point. <laughs> you know. Well, we might have to do a Man of War episode. Oh, I'd love to do a Man of War episode. I know. I know, yeah. Yeah, but that's all I got. What's new with you, sir? Oh, with myself, since you started, since you were mentioning the Monarch series, get your butt to the comic book store because this week I grabbed issue two of the Justice League versus Godzilla versus oh, Kong series. How is that story so far? I'm loving it. Like it's very basic, but there's they have they have introduced more kaiju than just Kong and Zilla. Good. And the the Justice League, they're pulling out all all the stops and just <laughs> just reading just just reading this, and I'm like a kid again, you know, like Super Superman, Godzilla, King Kong, Wonder Woman. But they they upsold me, fucking DC Comics. They upsold me a buck, okay, because they have variant covers, okay. And the main cover, which I believe was Superman versus Godzilla, okay, that was $3.99. The Wonder Woman cover with the harder cardboard cover, 
was a buck more. And I'm a big Wonder Woman, Mark. I always have been. As soon as you said you were upsold, I knew it involved Wonder Woman. (laughs) Immediately, Uh I knew it involved Wonder Woman. It's like, well, the Superman and Batman, you know, they cost this much. But the Wonder Woman one. Uh, Okay, it's a buck. Okay. I just... I knew I was being taken, you know, but I did it anyway. <laughs> hey, good on them to know yeah. who their customers are. That's so they right. can get a buck more. That's right. They saw me coming. Yeah. And I, I and let me just say that I hope that money goes to the artist. Oh, for sure. I really do. I really do. Be, because, you know, they earned it. You wouldn't be buying it without the artist. So, oh, you know. great. That's right. That's right. I, I definitely need to get down and check out that series. Like, dude. This is such a great time to be a fan of kaiju, Godzilla, monsters. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, we've had, it's so funny because I refuse to watch the 2014 Godzilla movie. Um, And it wasn't until I talked to um, a co-worker and he passed away last year. But I remember talking with him and he's like, no, dude. It's really good. Yeah. You need to check this out, you know. And it was because of him that I finally went and saw King of the Monsters. And I'm like, oh, this is good. And and so you've got that series. You've got the – like, dude, Kong Skull Island is my favorite King Kong. Period. Oh, it's fantastic. Favorite, period. Like, I love it. Mm-hmm. And then Godzilla versus Kong, obviously. But then now with the Monarch series and then – there's been so many Godzilla series, the Ultraman series, and now Godzilla minus one. Just it is a great time to be a fan of this sort of stuff. It really is. It is. It is. You know, I totally agree. Totally agree. I got to get on that. Yeah, like like you said, like once I'm I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna hold off with the Apple Plus because. We have so many streaming channels, and it always pisses me off, okay? I'm watching YouTube, and there'll be a new series or exclusively to this streaming service, which I don't have, and I'm like, Oh, oh. dude, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's because it's they're all fighting for market share right now. Right, right, right. and it pisses me off because yeah. I can't, I can't, you know, I don't have 12 bucks a month for... You know, for 800 different services, I'm going to end up yeah. paying more for, uh, so like, like we, the, the only cable channels we actually have anymore are some of the sports channels. You know, I have, <clears throat> I have no idea what else I have on my, on my regular cable. Everything we watch are, <clears throat> excuse me, apps on the, uh, our apps on the uh, on our Roku on the smart TV. Yeah, yeah. I, that's that's how we've gotten to right. Like, I I have some of the cable channels. We don't really watch it often. Um, it's it's mostly streaming. And dude, mm-hmm. to your point, like it's it's so hard because when it was just Netflix, um, when it was just Netflix and like Amazon Prime, it was great. You had two places. Everything you'd want to watch was there, you mm-hmm. know. And I gotta say, more and more, one of my go-to's is Tubi. 
Oh, to, yeah. To be, like, not yeah. only is it free, but they tend to have the stuff I want to see. <laughs> it is, yeah. Especially yeah. As, as a horror film fanatic, Tubi is better than Netflix. Dude, as any kind of fanatic, like, let's say that you're an 80s, you know, movies or cartoons fanatic, go to Tubi. Let's say that you want to see all kinds of Christmas movies, go to Tubi. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't get over, like, whoever is curating has to be our age. <laughs> like, yeah. for real. Yeah. Yeah. For real. There's all, all right. things, there's all sorts of cool music documentaries yeah. and concerts and everything. It's. I'm, I'm sorry, listeners. I do not know why my dog is going crazy. <laughs> you know, I, this is every podcast. I've heard so many podcasts where dogs are barking in the background, door doorbells are ringing, cats are walking across keyboards, and <clears throat> like, yeah, it's kind of all yeah. par, par, well, kind of all par, of course. The one won't stop barking. The other one is now on my lap, and the little one, she's got a really, really good sniffer. We say because you know, the minute you crack open a package of bacon, she's right beside your feet. Oh, of course. And I got to say, I'm, I'm kind of chuckling because I told you I'm, I'm drinking my whiskey. She gets on my lap. She starts checking out the whiskey. I'm like, you little mush. <laughs> I wouldn't have called that from you, but all right. <laughs> Put a little whiskey go. in your water there. There you go. You know, for the holidays. And no, before anybody calls PETA on me, <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing that to any of my dogs. I love these puppies. I take very mm. good care of them. They are spoiled to say the least. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Anyway, sorry, keep going. Um, is that it for your mental fix oh, yeah. or whatever fix? Yeah. Okay. Um, before myself, before I get into it, and this is kind of um re- relevant to the metal in the heart in the hardcore world, but um, this past weekend. On the uh, WWE Pro Wrestling pay-per-view, the Survivor Series, CM Punk has returned. Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, Snowy, how is this relevant? CM Punk is a legit, it's not just his character, okay, but he is a legit straight-edge hardcore guy. Like his... um, like he's had that, he took that reputation as a fan of that that hardcore music, brought it into the world of professional wrestling and turned it into part of his character. And he told Vince McMahon and the WWF to fuck off about eight years ago. He retired. He came back two years ago um, and went to All Elite Wrestling, like the main competitor to the yeah. WWF. Was there for a couple of years, a bunch of backstage drama and all that. He ended up getting fired from AEW. Yep, and I has remember we now... talked about that on the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he has now returned to the uh, WWF. As a matter of fact, Raw is on right now as we speak. So as soon as I we wrap up here, I'm going to hopefully catch the replay tonight so it was very interesting yeah yeah we kind of by the time this episode is up uh our sister program wrestling night in canada should be available where my co-host matt copper and i we sat down and we dissected the whole situation and the pay-per-view and and all that and i just thought maybe you know our, our hardcore fans 
meaning hardcore music. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. They would they would want to hear about the return of uh, CM Punk. So, yeah, yeah. Um, this past week was uh, Thanksgiving in your yes in the in the U.S., um, which kind of inspired tonight's. Uh, discussion, but with Thanksgiving comes Black Friday the next day. Yes. Right. And with that, Record Store Day, which is, you know, what's our favorite days of the year here on the show? Ooh, Record ha- Store Day. Ha- Halloween, Free Comic Book Day, uh, May 4th. And record store day. Yeah, pretty much sums it up. <laughs> Those are all, and and never mind our birthdays. I don't care about that. I'm not. I'm not too worried about Easter or anything like that. But ah, record store day. That's the one that counts. Well, they've expanded to include, you know, to get in on the whole Black Friday thing. And I've wasn't able to make it out on Friday by the time I get off work and get my butt to a record shop and all that. They all the shops would just about be closing down, but the good folks at a Planet of Sound when I walked in first thing a Saturday morning, my good buddy Kathy in her hot little fists had the new Joan Jet and the Black Hearts mindsets. Nice. Waiting for me as nice. I walked in. Yeah, a little bit of fun snowy trivia here. This is the first new vinyl. Like I have all the other Jones Joan Jet and the Blackheart records on vinyl, but this is the first new one that I've picked up, okay? Since the I Love Rock and Roll record. So yeah, yeah. It's um side A. Six six brand new songs. Musically, you know, she's she's not afraid to kind of mix it up. Got a little bit of blues going on, and then a lot of straight up rock and roll. I'm so glad you got the whiskey going right now. <laughs> because probably my favorite track on this so far, and I've only given side one a spin because side B are the same are the same uh, songs except live. Okay, so I've only given the recorded part a listen to, but my favorite track so far is the song called Whiskey Goes Good. <laughs> okay, All right. Which is Whiskey Goes Good with Everything. <laughs> you know. Well, it kind of does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was really, was really stoked about that as I made my way throughout the shop. I saw that um, for Record Store Day, finally, this album, which I originally bought the cassette, you know, off the new release rack back in 1992. But now, decades later, as part of Record Store Day Canada, the debut record, the self-titled debut record from Canadian rocker Sven Gali was finally released onto vinyl because, wow. you know, in 1992... Vinyl was dead. Vinyl was, yeah, yeah. And very few, you know, especially major labels, they weren't touching vinyl anymore and all that. So I 
I've had the cassette all these years. I probably got a CD somewhere buried in the snowy vaults and all that. But uh, yeah, when I saw it on vinyl, it's like, oh yeah, not only that, but it's a like it's a purple cover of a crazy face up up close and all that. So the vinyl itself was purple marble as well. No. Nice. Yeah, yeah, she looks she looks pretty pretty for sure for sure. So it, I I did all right. I did all right for Black Friday. You know, the vinyl and you know, cuz you and I both really like the different color vinyls and the splatters and the patterns and all that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. um my wife was looking at like a Taylor Swift album. She's like why in the world is this Taylor Swift album $40? <laughs> and without even having to look, I said, well, it's probably vinyl. Yeah. She's like, oh, I don't know. She's like, oh, it is. Orange slider vinyl. I'm like, oh, I bet that looks nice. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and she's just mm-hmm. giving me the eye like, what? You know. Because you know, she, she, yeah. she's not a vinyl collector, but I, I appreciate that, you know, it, it has made it into so many different genres of music, you know, mm-hmm. because that, you know, it, it's one thing we talk about metal on the show all the time and we want to see our, you know, our, our culture, so to speak. And just, you know, the fan of, of the music that we listen to, we want to see this keep going, you know, but when vinyl is being adopted by all sorts of other genres, that means that we have a lot of serious music fans, period. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of how you feel about Taylor Swift or insert pop artist name here, you know, if Taylor Swift is putting out a vinyl that's a different color, that means that people are collecting, you know. And Connoisseurs. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, know? yeah. And I, it, it doesn't matter what genre. Like, I can sniff out of any genre. You, you give me a a two-minute conversation with someone, and I can tell if they're just Joe Average that has music in the background, or if they're actual music connoisseurs. Yeah, and you know, and I and I and I can sniff them out. No matter what 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 type of music it is, you're a music connoisseur. I want to talk to you. I'll talk to you about whatever genre you want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And if a Taylor Swift album gets people into a record shop looking for that, great, great, because maybe they'll grab, you know, two other records on their way out or something, you know, and let's let's keep the uh let's keep the record stores uh Exactly. Exactly, let's, dude. Let's let's keep them let's keep them busy and going. We better get into some tunes here. <laughs> we were, you know, having a having a nice chat. All that all that all that gear talk, man. Yeah, I know. So I'm glad, a chatty I'm, Kathy no, about this bass, no, dude. That's great because I can't bring that. Like you, you're educating me. You're educating our listeners, and and all that. So I'm glad. I'm glad you. You bring that to the table, but let's get to some music here. Some cool records uh, across my desk. A really cool newish band. I think they, no, actually, I think this is their debut 
record, basically a two-piece um, fronted by Mr. Heavy Steeler. Steel as in steel, metal, and all that. <laughs> <They're>, uh, <laughs> I love how you had to pause to say that. That was great. Well, well, you know, two-ease, Steeler. Well, they're... Um, their new record, Beneath the Crimson Prophecy, uh, available now. And this this is really cool because it's got that early 90s kind of like death death groove to it with some cool mid-80s style un, un, underground vocals. And it, it works really well. So I kind of want to get into a track with that as well. Um, another newish band as well out of france their latest record will uh drop in december embrace your punishment a lot of cool uh a lot of cool thrashing going on there their new record uh made of stone like i said will be dropping soon i was giving that a spin and it's got some special appearances from jason netherton and Kirk Weinstein, Jason Net- Netherton from uh, Misery Index, and Kirk Weinstein from Crowbar. Oh yeah, now, yeah, that, that's uh, one of one of Rock's favorite guitar players. Oh, definitely, definitely. Both of these gentlemen are Radioactive Metal alum as well, so it was good to see them uh, sharing their expertise with a cool upcoming band. So let's get into those right now how about that diabolic night album this is sacred scriptures Death, 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 death
made it through Halloween. Now try and survive Christmas. Silent night. Deadly night. From that aforementioned Made of Stone record from Embrace Your Punishment, that was the first single off that album, Oppression. Really, really cool stuff. That's one of those, okay, they have one of those bands, you know, the the whole verb, those metalcore, verb the noun type bands and all that. They kind of have that name, okay, but as you just heard, they don't really fall under that idea and i don't know maybe that that might turn off obviously not our listeners because they just heard them i'm hoping 
that doesn't turn them off, you know, from their tar- target audience. But hey, really, really cool stuff. Go check it out in December when it hits your record shop uh, racks and buy five other albums while you're out there. Hey, first and foremost, I want to say um, happy Thanksgiving to you, Thanks. you happy and yours. Thanksgiving. I hope you had a really a really good day. What what did, what did you do? Nothing. Like it's just... uh, we we live next door to my mother in law now, and that's where mm-hmm. we'd always go for Thanksgiving. So this is one of the easiest Thanksgivings we've ever had, <laughs> where it... it was just walk next door. Oh yeah, because mums and mums in laws they love to cook. Yeah, you know, yeah, for the grandkids. Yeah, and, it was yeah, great. So we sure. just hung out there all day, and then the really nice thing is having the puppies. I didn't mm-hmm. have to worry about you know oh I got to drive home take care. I'm like hey I'm gonna walk over and let them out. I'll come I'll be back in a few minutes. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's just really nice and relaxed. And then the weekend was great. We decorated that sort of stuff. Right on. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. That's great, dude. Glad you had a really good time, of course, with Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay. One of the things that I absolutely positively have to do on, you know, either Thanksgiving Day, either the Canadian or American, I have to watch the WKRP Turkeys Away episode. Dude. That classic, classic episode. Yes, that cloud. And I know we've talked about it on the past in in the past, but you know, it's like when to all of our veteran, all of our you know, our more mature listeners, shall we say, they might be more familiar with uh, with the WKRP in Cincinnati uh, sitcom from the late seventies into the early eighties. This will definitely be an episode for you. Okay. And the younger people, well, you're going to want to pay attention to this and introduce yourself to this fantastic sitcom, which really only lasted the four seasons, I guess enough just to make sure it got into syndication and and all that so it basically is going to live forever and obviously being a radio show we've have you know a connection to this series now more than ever okay like honestly i've said this before if there was no dr johnny fever okay one of the djs i don't know if there would have been a radioactive metal you know like this was a main influence on myself into doing this so with all of this viewing of wkrp for the holiday i had an idea okay okay what if okay being comic book fans too okay that kind of fits as well what if the characters on the great WKRP program, if they were metalheads, if WKRP was WKRP, okay, what type of, what would the favorite bands of each individual character be based on what we know about them? Okay, or just, even just a gut feeling that you might have for whichever 
you came to this conclusion because there's no right or wrong here. Now, just, do we want bands from the same era of the show, or no, are we open? No, we're 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 open. We're wide open. If they were, if you think you know they would be uh, younger, okay, young younger versions, you know, because there is this whole multiverse, okay, in the geek world and all that. So hey, let's deal with WKRP multiverses if if we want to. So yeah, keep it totally wide open. Any um any any era, you know, but just hard rock, metal, punk, hardcore, you know, that is the focus of this show. So obviously, first and foremost, dude, it's all about Dr. Johnny Fever. Okay, we know what he's he's like. He's kind of that old school rocker. Okay. Um, even even in the late seventies into the early eighties, like what he on on the show, on the air, even though they were a modern rock and pop station, man, that that guy was playing sixties, you know, sixties and early seventies stuff, and you know that was all that was all that was all part of his shtick. That's the whole thing about WKRP, like with terrestrial radio. You know, they all have a certain sound. They all have a formula. I, I swear, they didn't. <laughs> you know, Venus Flytrap played his bizarro jazz type type stuff. And Johnny well, Fever was doing the 60s stuff. And, and see, and I and think that's a, a nod to, se- like, 70s radio stations. And honestly, maybe even a nod more back to, like, the late 60s, early, early 70s. Um, especially on the West Coast here in the States where you didn't have formats, right? Mm-hmm. Because it used to be the DJ picked the sets. And this is something yeah. I only learned recently. I didn't, I did not realize because, you know, like Travis, right? He was the, he was the program director. Right. At, as when that show happened, Travis's, you know, job role was still pretty new to the radio industry because be, because of well because of the 60s and payola and government mm-hmm. hearings and they're like holy <laughs> shit look at all this stuff that happened because of course they're trying to villainize rock and roll but um because of the whole payola thing that's when they had to establish the program director that chose the playlist up to that point whoever the dj was chose their playlist yeah yeah, so i I I, really think that the what what wkrp did was a nod to that era where each dj had their own personality and and could do like the hey it's venus flytrap after dark all right, I'm going to play some smooth soul for you, you know. <laughs> right. Right. And I wish that's the way it was now. I don't want to listen to a playlist. I don't care what Mr. Program Director wants on the station. I want to hear what the DJ wants to play. You know what? I wonder. Be and I mean, in the era we're in, dude, there's so many different ways to do a, play, to do a playlist. Amazon has that amp thing. I should research that and maybe we do our own modern day WKRP. 
Oh, okay. Right, where, you know, obviously we're going to have metal stuff. But, you know, like my other persona is going to be um, all the 50s, 60s rock, right? Like we're going to play Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley for an hour. Um, okay. But I also want to play Miles Davis. You know, I get that. I like, get that. like, oh, I, I think we really need to pursue this because I mean, like, you know, <laughs> you, I know you have musical taste outside metal, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe that's maybe this is how you and I solve world peace, right? That's we, right. We put together the station that finally brings everybody together. Kind of like what you know, the the documentary about uh, those two great great um, you know leaders, uh, Bill and Ted did with me. There we are. You know, the United the World that, that be, be we could do that. Yes, yeah. be excellent to one another. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's something we could do, dude. It's, it it it, it kind of what, what what you're saying. Well, yeah, I want to play Chuck Berry and Miles Davis and all that. Okay, if if we were to have you know, our own terrestrial station, it would be predominantly metal, hardcore yeah. and all that. But okay. Radio stations today have that special programming, you know, that metal hour right. where they bring in, um, D Snyder's house, house of hair or whatever. Mm-hmm. We would flip the script. We would be a regular programming metal show, but Aaron's blues hour. Yeah. You know, maybe, um, Snowy's 80, 80s pop nostalgia hour or something. Yeah. You know, and and we would tie with my wife. all of them forward to what our current playlist is, right? Because you can trace the lineage of our current artists today through all these other artists. And Definitely. we just keep educating and then we bring world peace. I, there we go. I feel, I feel like we're on the cusp here. <laughs> I think so too. I think so too. Well, so Dr. Johnny Fever, dude. Yeah. What do you think his favorite band or bands would would be? Now I know the show took place in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. However, I picture Dr. Johnny Fever at the CBGB every night of the week. Uh, yeah, I was kind of thinking that as well. Like, yeah, like I, like, I see him being, you know, a huge Ramones fan, um, <laughs> a huge uh-huh. Talking Heads fan, you know, television, just everything that was coming out of CBGB and whatever that looked like in Cincinnati in the 70s. Because, you know, I'm sure they had something, right? Cincinnati is right. a pretty, pretty big town. Uh, so isn't it the what, biggest city in Ohio? I think so. Uh, is it bigger than Cleveland? I think so. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, I I could really see them, um, you know, whatever the Cincinnati equivalent of the CBGB was in the 70s, that's where Johnny Fever is every night, talking to local musicians, listening to stuff, you know, finding new stuff and just having a great time. Yeah. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but was Johnny Fever based on Lester Banks. Oh shit. You know, that's a good thought, dude. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. You know what? I'm gonna, we should look into that. I'm, I'm doing sure. That right now. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know what? 
I was kind of thinking the Ramones as well. I wasn't necessarily think seeing Fever like hang hanging out inside uh, in CBGBs, but I was definitely like his his Black Death T-shirt. Yeah, you know that the classic uh, Ramones T-shirt and the circle and the names, oh, yeah. uh, you know, all all around the 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 um, the perimeter of of the sir of the circle and all that i could totally see him wearing that okay so definitely the ramones as well uriah heap like just kind of like maybe a a nod to like his real character like that that type of early 70s rock you know along well, with you know some jethro tull and deep purple uh, so i, I, I completely agree that. right and also i think black sabbath yeah, yeah, you know for sure. Be, because you know, obviously he's the hippie character, but I feel like if he was into Hendrix, he's following Hendrix right into Sabbath, and then right into the heavier stuff of the seventies. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I really I I plant him firmly in again the CBGB because the CBGB is the center of anti-authority. Right mm-hmm. in the seventies, you know, um, <laughs> that guy that was him, yeah, and, and yeah, and that's Johnny Fever. So that that's where, where wherever that was in Cincinnati, that's where Johnny Fever is hanging out every night and having a great time, saying "fuck the government" and just being raucous and outrageous, you know. For sure, yeah, totally. Budgie, Budgie is another band I think. Oh uh, yes, uh, uh, a metal WKRP or a metal Johnny Fever would would totally get behind. Yeah, oh, I love how this just kind of you know you you, you have one idea, you bounce it off, we we bounce it off each other and like boom, boom, boom. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, what about old Gordon Sims? I mean, Venus Flytrap, kayfabe snowy. What the so hell? So hang on here. So where's? Let me find my Venus Flytrap. So see, I'm see. Here's the thing. I don't see Venus. I, just based on the character, I don't see him necessarily being into a punk band. No. Or no. a metal band, right? Mm, well, hang on, because again, maybe. no, there's no errors, right? Yeah, none. Okay. I didn't want to... I think that Venus Flytrap gets into the funk metal scene of the 90s. Ah. I think he's a huge fan of the Infectious Grooves. Grooves, yeah. I think he loves the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I think he loves Fishbone. There we go. Yeah, a little bit of Extreme maybe as well. Ah, uh, see, extreme wasn't necessarily funk metal. No, no, they, but they, they, they of, were more, uh, you know, glam metal. He, I mean, he would he would badass. dig that song. <laughs> yeah, he he did get the funk out, but yeah. I mean, like, I think Venus is going to be in the studio with the Chili Peppers and Parla and George Clinton um, when they do Freaky Styley. Like, I okay. I think that's Venus. He's going to be there with George. Like, yeah, let's check out these new cats. Yeah, flee, <laughs> rip it, you just, know. Just, and I could hear him introducing uh, Chili Peppers' Higher Ground. Oh, yes. Uh, isn't that, that would yes. be awesome. 
Yeah. Dude, favorite episode, hands down, other than obviously the, the turkey episode, because the turkey drop is just forever cemented in my mind. Right. My favorite episode is where they have the state trooper to um, show the effects of alcohol no, the on alcohol, air. Yeah, the, the anti-drinking and driving side. Yeah. Side. yeah. Because... Venus is just, you know, blasted out of his mind and Johnny Fever's completely unaffected. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, yeah, because that was he was a that was kind of he he what what did he say that yeah, drink drink drinking was kind of a hobby of mine. Yeah. And, and all that. So he's just he's just built up that tolerance. Oh man, I would actually love to uh just sit, sit sit down in in bulldogs with with Venus flytrap and just shoot shoot the shit over some oh, over some drinks. That'd be oh absolutely goodness, fantastic. Yeah. Um, actually, I I was kind of scratching my head about this. I okay. you know, like your idea was absolutely fantastic. I should I I, I should have thought of that. I was kind of scratching my head about this, and I consulted Mrs. Snowy, and he said, well. You know, he, that was a very sexual guy. He was kind of a ladies' oh, man. Yeah, that's you know, a very good always, point. Yeah, he always had a different girl in into the booth when you you know because he was he was the night he was the oh, evening time yes. DJ. He's after dark. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, so. He's he's like the Hugh Hefner of radio. Right. Definitely. Wow. Definitely. Yeah. So that made me think, womanizer. Okay. Oh, Gene Simmons. He's got, yeah, uh-huh. Hey, oh, did I get that right? Yeah, that's exactly who <laughs> I was getting at. Kiss, man. Oh, Venus would be a huge uh, Kiss fan, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sp- speaking of Kiss. Yeah. We already saw on the show that in the very first episode... Okay, when they switched to rock and roll and they hired Andy Travis out of New Mexico. Okay, we already knew that he was a Kiss fan. Because when Fever and Travis were talking about, yeah, I'm going to do some changes and all that. And Fever asked, well, what kind of changes did you have in mind? And Travis, he unrolled this poster that was going up in his office and it was of kiss and he's like oh the changes oh i don't know he unfurled the poster and it's like oh this station's going rock and roll so we already know andy travis kiss fan okay but now i was thinking you know more about the person and all of that hail hailing from new mexico okay pantera I really think Andy Travis definitely would be a Pantera fan. And now that I think about it, a Hank the Third fan. I can see him really digging Hank Three. Yeah, yeah, Hank Three, yeah. Yeah. That's that's definitely, yeah. The him and Pantera Exhorter, you know, some crowbar as well. Okay, everything kind of like that groove metal. You know, that 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 would be kind of Andy Travis for me, I think. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I, I think I can agree with that. So, okay, so let's see here. I'll, I'll read the bio real quick. So, yeah, so Santa Fe, New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then Amarillo, Texas. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, I could see him like in that little band from Texas. I I also see him having a deep love of ZZ Top. Ah uh, yes. Or ZZ yeah. Top for our Canadian <laughs> listeners. Well, believe it or not, we say ZZ up here. Oh, really? You don't say ZZ? But I wish we did, and I should start <laughs> that doing ruins that. ruins a stereotype for me. Thanks. <laughs> I'm going to start doing that. ZZ. Thanks. You're going to tell me that. Santa Claus isn't real. Jeez, Snowy. Oh, no. Santa Claus is real. There like, we go. I, I wait up every 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 Christmas Eve. Like I I got a couple beers. I'm waiting for Santa. You know, Christmas Eve. He comes down the chimney. You know, we watch a bit of the hockey game and we have a couple beers, and then he's on his way for sure. One of my all-time favorite characters from any program, okay, is Miss Bailey Quarters, and she was. There were two. Two females, two lead females on the show. And everyone, you know, Lonnie Anderson was the big 70s sex sex symbol and all that. Yeah. I was I always leaned toward Jan Smithers. I was more of a Bailey guy than a oh, Jennifer. Same guy. dude. Same. Yeah, yeah. And now when you think of what type, you know, her attitude, she was a total feminist. Okay. She was anti this and anti that. Um L7, Bikini Kill, Bratmobile, Joan Jett, those, she, she would be need, she would be deep, deep into the whole Riot Girl scene if she was into the metal and the punk and all that. I I could totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think late 70s. Yeah. Punk would. Well, would, I, I would like she blonde to Susie Quattro? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Susie Quattro, The Runaways. Or Radio uh, Williams. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, Blondie as well. See, I was holding off on Blondie because I think Jennifer would have been in a Blondie. Okay, yeah, I could because kind of see that. There are times I look at Debbie Harry, and I, I think you know, like I found found some old pictures of Debbie Harry, and I'm like, she kind of looks like Jennifer. Like I could see Jennifer's character because you know she she was always very, um, what what was the joke? She made more than Mr. Carlson. Yeah, I mean, her yeah, salary. She. she... Yeah, for some, like, she does nothing. She enjoyed a very specific lifestyle. <laughs> yes. We'll say, yes. right? Like, like she enjoyed an expensive lifestyle. So so while she has that, I feel like at night, she's Debbie Harry. That's her alter ego. Oh, okay. Well, I can see that. I, I can see that, yeah. She's, yeah, she kind of likes the finer things because she does command such a high salary just because she's pretty. Okay, and she's fucking stacked. Okay, so that that's the on that's the ongoing joke that she gets paid so much because of that. And she's also a little bit of a gold digger as well. Like she's the only the only guys that she really dated were older rich men. Now I'm not saying she was putting out for them because they were old, right? But she liked to be in their company and all that. So she kind of. Div- 
developed a kind like she was kind of shallow, you know, like yeah. every once we were every once in a while she would do something of value that that kind of made you forget what she was like most of the time. But then the next episode, she would be back, you know, and and that's fine. Like that was the character. Yeah. So with that in mind, I kind of pictured her into the hair metal. Oh, okay, because there is, you know, there's oh, such yeah. there, was, there was such such an in, such, such an emphasis on looking good. Yes, in hair metal, like yeah. you could have been and, one and of there the. There were worst a lot things. of hair metal girls, personality wise, I could not stand. Right, because <laughs> they they kind of had that. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I know, I, yeah. I, I I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking hair. Jennifer Marlowe would would have been into that. No, I'm not saying you know she would be out. Well, maybe the odd time out at Cincinnati's equivalent of you know the Rainbow or something like that. You know, but she would definitely hair metal and probably Motley Crue would probably uh, be a favorite of hers. Probably a little crush on Tommy Lee. I could see that. Oh, she would definitely be one of Tommy Lee's girlfriends. Yeah. yeah, or Nikki yeah. Six, either one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, not definitely sure. not Vince Neil because he's too short for her. She would have definitely <laughs> yeah. gone for um for Nikki or Tommy. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I think so. I think so. Probably my toughest one here. My toughest choice is is Mister Newsman, Mister Les Nesman. Okay. And like this character, like oh my god, okay, just just his delivery, you know, like like he was he would he would just talk about his hog reports and how he every year he won the Silver Sow Award and he was, you know, he would be doing five part documentary type programmings on the rutabaga, and you know it's it's just it's just stuff like that, and he was pretty far right. Oh, his references to Chai Chai Roger Guiz. <laughs> because, because I forgot he did, about that. He didn't, he didn't know much about sports, oh. you, you know, but he, he had to cover the sports and all that, but he just didn't know anything about it. So talking about golfer Chichi Rodriguez. Okay, oh, chai chai. You know, chai chai Roger Queens. Oh, I forgot about that one. I remember I remember I made I made a reference to one of my old my one one of my older Clark Clark Kent jobs. I made a reference to Chai Chai Roger Guiz. And the manager I was speaking to, it got a couple years on me, okay. He kind of smirked and went, oh, okay, Nesman. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, dude, you got that reference points. You got some cool points. This was the same manager, though, every Friday as our shift was dying down, he would go and buy us all a two-four, like a 24-pack of beer. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and he let, you know, and I would have my uh my I would have my ghetto blaster playing CDs and cassettes. And I remember this one time I was listening to an Alice Cooper. Uh, welcome to my nightmare tribute record and this manager i'm just going to use his first name richard okay 
He was a big fan of The Who. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on this tribute record, Roger Daltrey was singing School's Out. Okay. And he comes back to my section. He's got a, a work related question. Our conversation stops dead. And he turns and he looks at the ghetto blaster. And then kind of looks at me funny. And I'm and I and I say, okay, yes, you are hearing Roger Daltrey <laughs> singing schools out. You're not <laughs> you're not you're not hearing things. Well, our work-related conversation stopped until the end of that song. <laughs> it's like, yeah. That that was really, really cool. But I'm getting a little off track here. For me, Les Nessman, he is he's kind of a right-wing conspiracy theorist. So, and if he was into the metal and all that, I'm thinking with everything that's gone on, you know, lately with 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 that band, or at least the last couple of years, and also leading up to it, I think Les Nessman would have been a big Iced Earth fan. So, I'm going to take this a different direction. Okay. I also, think yeah. Nesman being the nerd that he is, and also looking at the level of nerd that he is, I think he is listening to the entire SST Records catalog. I and I think it's he follows. Part, yeah. I think he follows Henry Rollins for the rest of his career. Even though they may not agree politically. Politically, and, yeah, there is nothing. And I they're, think they're, like they're he loves artists. Rollins. He loves like the like what they do, you know, musically, loves like the chaos of it, and will corner Rollins at every show and spew <laughs> some conspiracy theory to him. That's that's less necessary. There we are. <laughs> I can see that, yes. Yeah, that's what's happening. <laughs> Excellent. 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 This, this one was a little tougher as one, 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 one uh, excuse me, one of the tougher ones as well until like it just all of a sudden is like, boom. Okay. This works for this character, for this reason, the general manager, the son of the owner, Mr. Arthur Carlson. Okay. And he's the older guy. Than the rest of the cast, I guess. Now, I guess him and Nesman would be about the same age, and Herb Tarlick would be a little bit younger. But um, yeah, he's he's the guy. He's he's the the only reason why he's there is because his mom owns the station. He does as little as possible. They got the ongoing gag that he doesn't like to talk to people. He shows up to work. He sits in his office. Plays with his toys. No, they're not toys. They're collectibles, as he as as he would say. I'm a hobbyist. I don't play with toys. I'm a hobbyist. Okay, great. I get that. Okay, but he did as little as possible, and he really music really isn't wasn't a big thing for him. You know, it was just something in the background. So if you're going to enjoy hard rock metal or whatever, and you're just listening to stuff in the background, chances are, okay, that background band would be Guns N' Roses. Because they're like a huge band, 
okay, that aren't, you know, they're not heavy, they're not really that technical, or they're not, you know, they're they're easy to digest, particularly songs like November Rain, Sweet Child of Mine, you know, for a guy that's really, like I said, in the background, it would be something like that, I think. Nice. I, I, I think I could see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and and the bands would be interchangeable, from GNR to Lincoln Park, you know, for a more modern edge because that they sold what that first Lincoln Park album sold like ten million copies or something like that. So yeah, that that would be another another band, you know. Yeah, I kind of I kind of dig this. I'm not getting into too much into it. It would be something like that. What about you with old Uncle Artie? I man, I I don't know because I I've had a band that I uh, that I was thinking for him, but then I'm like, well, no, maybe that's more Herb. Um. Uh, so I I I don't necessarily want to say it here, but okay. it, it's yeah, it, that's a tough one, dude. Um. What. But but see here here's the same thing. Like at, at at the same time, he wasn't necessarily into the music they were playing. But you know he's getting into collecting. He's getting into that. What if he gets into like the really? Because, like, if, if you're the collector, you're, the, you know, the toys, the, the nerdy kind of stuff. I honestly see him getting into the electro pop, but the stuff that was like what John Carpenter was doing. Like okay. What, like what Wendy Carlos was doing with the Switched On box series. Um, who's the other guy? Brian Eno in the 70s. Right. I think that's the direction that Arthur Carlson goes because that would be the type of music he can listen to while he's enjoying his collectibles. Ah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, and last and definitely least, Mr. Herb Tarlick. Okay, the sales manager who wore a different couch cover for his suit every episode and and all that. He was he was kind of famous for the worst suits. And he thought he was kind of a womanizer as well, but he was he was married and he wasn't picking up any women. He was always hitting on Jennifer and and you know, like at to the point now, like if this was today, like Tarlick would have been fired years ago. First, sexual harassment. Right. You know, but now, okay, you know, it was the 70s and there was some shit that we laughed at back then that it's kind of cringy now. But Mr. Herb Tarlick, okay, I gave it some thought. And like with Carlson, it it just kind of hit me. He was never into any sort of music for a guy that sold... Um, music or sold um, ad space on a rock and roll station that one episode um, when uh, 
the uh, the tragedy at, at the Who concert at, at at Riverfront Stadium when eleven kids were trampled to death. Okay, that's one of my favorite episodes. Okay, well Tarlick had admitted that he had never been to a concert before, which I thought that was kind of weird. That's like I to this day I still meet people. Okay, you know pushing thirty. That have never been to any sort of concert at all. I'm like, how is that? Like, you live in Winnipeg. <laughs> okay, you've been here most of your life or whatever. How is it you've never been to any sort of concert? And I, and I, and I do get it. You know, it's, it, it's not like most people have been to at least one concert in their life. Okay, but the majority of the people out there, Joe and Jane Average, aren't regular co concert goers. Okay, so, yeah, I, I can kind of see that. But for me personally, it still kind of boggles the mind. How can you be 30 years old and never gone to a concert? Okay, when you live in the city. But, again, that's, that's a whole other thing. So, with Tarlick, okay... He's not really into the music. What I could see Tarlick being, though, is every once in a while I'm hanging out at Bulldogs, okay, and I've got, you know, one of my punk or metal friends, you know, hey, Snowy, how's it going? And then he introduces me to his friend, okay, who is a total normie. He's only there because they're work friends. Like you, you, you know, you have friends out in the out in the wild, right? And you have friends that you really only see at work. Okay, well, Tarlick would be that work friend that just he comes out because his metalhead coworker or his punk rock coworker is out because you know his wife's band is playing or his buddy's band is playing so you know hey snowy this is my friend jim okay he's never been he's not part of the scene but he wants to see my wife play tonight and all that that would be tarlick he would be that come with that that normie come with guy that you see at shows that you that that kind of stick out like you can tell, and I'm so glad they're there because they paid their admission at the door, probably buy his wife's merch. You know, even though he's not into the music, he would still buy her CD or the shirt and all that just just to be supportive. That would be Herb Tarlick. Okay, I picture Herb Tarlick is going everywhere in a convertible. Blasting Motley Crue's "Girls, Girls, Girls." <laughs> okay, yes, all right, yeah. <laughs> I can see it that. fits his slick salesman image. I I just feel like you know, okay, and again, he was the womanizer. You'd have "Girls, Girls, Girls," and the other the other band that I think he's listening to again, not necessarily metal, but for the era. Average white band, pick up the pieces. For anyone who's not familiar with that song, for the nerds in our audience, which is all of us, Iron Man 2, uh, Hammer Tech, when he's introduced, and that song that he dances on stage to. That's, oh, okay. Yeah, that. 
I pick okay. up the pieces by average white band. Like I associate her with that song and I kind of associated Arthur Carlson with that song, but oh. I do see her just convertible, j- just the, the poser, right? Because Motley Crue, you know, great rock and roll band wrote great songs, but really allowed the poser culture to come in there. You know, mm-hmm, I'm going to have my convertible. I'm going to blast Molly Crew, you know, because it's good party music. And again, thinking about like Molly Crew and all the girls who are into Molly Crew and the 80s hair metal scene and the looks like that's going to attract Herb. So he's going to want to attract those girls. I can see that. I can I could see that as well. Yeah, yeah, with the whole womanizing thing, or at least, yeah, he would he would definitely be the poser. Yeah, up 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 here in Canada, okay. That what you said kind of made me think. There's a a you know a classic rock a a AOR band called Trooper. I don't know if you've you've heard of them. I don't know if they made any impact in the states in the states and all that. But no. they, they 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 were huge up here in the late seventies and the early eighties. And now they're like one of the nostalgia acts playing the senior circuit, which is the casinos, okay. and playing the the classic rock weekend festivals and all that. They had a song called "The Boys in the Bright White Sports Car." Wow. Okay. Okay. Whereas, like, you know, it's it's just it's 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 about this group of guys that have this new white sports car and they're honking at all the girls and they're driving around with the top down and like basically thinking they're king shit because they have a fancy car. Which personally, for me, at any age, nice fancy cars have never impressed me. I do, I don't even have my own driver's license, so I really wouldn't give a flying fuck about your car. You want to impress me? You show me your kick-ass comic collection and your kick-ass vinyl collection. Then, then we'll talk. Well, I could see the boys in the bright white sports car, and it would be around that time, the late seventies, yeah. where that song was was huge up here. So. Yeah, yeah, I I could see I could see an asshead like Herb Tarlick just loving that song just for those superficial reasons. Yeah, uh, and that's it. That's it, man. <laughs> I loved the enthusiasm that you showed when I said, "Hey, dude, let's try this." Since you know it's 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 Thanksgiving and WKRP is such a big part of of this event for us. And all that. So when you when you were psyched about it, it got me extra psyched about it. So once again, another one of these fabulous conversations. Before we kind of get on out of here, we'll get into some some tunes here. Then we'll bring the crazy train in uh, to the station. Today was actually in the history of metal. Okay, all throughout the years. This November twenty seventh. Okay, has been pretty busy. Okay, we got some key birthdays here that we normally do this that type of stuff at the beginning of the show, but there was a lot going on. So I figured, well, let's kind of wait as for it as we're kind of 
dying down here. But we got some key birthdays here. I want to give a a, a happy birthday, a horns up, and a shout out to radioactive metal Joe Rico from Sacrifice. It's uh, it's his birthday. I don't know exactly how old he is. He's not much older than we are because they were so young when they when they cut that first record, Torment and Fire. Like the the old pictures of them, and you see them now. The lineup has not changed. <laughs> okay, like you can't. It's like, wow. After all this time, like Sacrifice is still with us, and the same lineup, and they're still killing it. Look for a new record in the um in the new year and not a radioactive metal alum but we had um this gentleman's vocalist in his band barney greenway from napalm death that's shane embry's birthday today oh wow and yeah yeah he's a he's a really cool guy i met him in the old days of the zoo okay um he was just hanging out in the lobby just kind of sitting there and just like by himself, you know, and I, I just showed up. I totally was, wasn't prepared. So I just, just sat down beside him and we just started chatting and all that. He was a great guy. And I'm thinking, ah, do I pull my recorder out and just do something on the fly, you know, with him, just like a quick interview, because he's obviously very approachable, you know, but yeah, I figured now nah, maybe he's, intentionally just wanting to be off the uh, clock yeah so happy birthday to mr embry as well um some cool albums as well came out today celebrating its 25th anniversary is exhumed gore metal hello and a big shout out to our good buddy Matt Harvey, who we've had on the show a number of times, he's probably still got the record for most appearances. And of course, Gore Metal was that. They had a slew of singles and demos leading up to that debut record. And it's like 25 years. It it, it doesn't feel that way, you know, that, that, that Exhumed have been around that long. It's kind of like, yeah. Oh, I'm start. I'm starting to feel old now. Yeah, yeah. As well, another really cool record. I want to say happy birthday to it because we just recently spoke about the Mighty Wasp. You know, we had our Wasp episode last—not last episode, but the week, the episode before that—and we both gushed over the Live in the Raw album. Oh, love that record. Yeah, today in 1987, that awesome live record dropped. So, happy birthday to you, old friend. And finally, today, since you brought up Godzilla and all that, which I'm glad you did, in 1965, I believe this was the first Gamera movie, Gamera the Giant Monster. No way! Was released in Japan, yes, on on this day. In 1965. Oh, dude, I love Gamera. Uh-huh. We we finally got to the Gamera after after birth series see, on Netflix. Is it good? We're I'm I'm enjoying it. We're okay. four episodes in. We have we have two more. Maybe we'll finish it. No, I'll be watching wrestling tonight. But yeah, we're we're gonna finish it off. It's it's not very deep. 
okay? okay. There's no there's no real thick plot to it. It's what I would have loved for a Gamera Saturday morning with a little bit more of an edge. Gotcha. But if there was a Saturday morning cartoon, which I wanted one of Gamera, and I wanted one of Godzilla, but something a little more than, you know, that Godzilla 80s comic. comic. Oh, the, the Hanna Barbera, you mean? Yeah, yeah with yeah. Godzuki. And hey, I was thrilled to have it. I would take it. I I enjoyed it as a kid. I didn't like Godzuki, but I did like. Okay, we we have a, you know, we have a uh, a Godzilla cartoon. So I was I was excited for that. And to this day, up from the depths, okay. thirty stories high, screaming fire, he stands in the sky. Like, holy shit! The stuff you remember. Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's get into some tunage here let's go to that classic gore metal album from the mighty exhumed this is limb from limb Shining Wizards is the greatest wrestling podcast of all time. 
Don't believe me? Tune in and check us out. We laugh, we cry, we interview some of the greatest people in professional wrestling, and we have some of the greatest segments of all time, including everyone's favorite wrestling game show, Can You Beat That? We're live 6.50 p.m. East on Monday night on all social media platforms, and we're with you wherever you go on every single streaming and podcasting platform as well. Check us out. Go over to ShiningWizards.com and join us for some wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. G'day guys, my name is Thomas, one half of the Broadcast Podcast. With our podcast, we go back and watch wrestling events from WWE, WWF, WCW, ECW, AEW, and many other wrestling promotions. You can check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast, that's T-H-E-B-R-O-K-A-S-T, and you can also download all episodes on Apple Podcast, CastBox, Castro, and many other podcast apps. What's up, everyone? When on the Shining Wizards Network, be sure to check out Wrestling Night in Canada. If we're not recording another kick-ass podcast... Or playing in punk bands. Or recording kick-ass heavy metal albums. Then we're sitting back, we're grabbing a couple brews, and going over everything to do in the world of pro wrestling. Because we're from Winnipeg, you idiots.
For our girl, Bailey Quarters, that was Bikini Kill with Rebel Girl, probably their their only hit, if you want to call it that. No, but probably the song they are most noted for. Well, my friend, once again, another fantastic chat. Another great way to uh, start my week off, but once again... Yeah, my favorite part of the week is when we sit down and press record and start sharing all this with all of our listeners. But the part of the week that I enjoy the least amount is when we have to say goodbye. Same, dude. Yeah, yeah. And the clock on the wall is telling us that. So how can uh, people get a hold of us? Well, dear snowman, radioactivemetal.org. That's all the episodes past, present, and future. Facebook.com slash radmetal for our social page there. Um, at radmetal666 for pictures of the fun things that we come across and find on Instagram. Drop us a line, radmetal666 at gmail.com. Check that out. And, okay, I think, yeah, that's all that stuff. Sorry. All right. So then you can hear the, I mean, if you're listening to the podcast, you know where to find us. If if a friend sent it to you, they probably sent it to you on a specific platform. But if you're on that platform thinking, well, yeah, it's great they sent it to me on this platform. But, boy, I wish I could hear it over here. You probably can. Just go look for mm-hmm. us. We're everywhere. We're on you know, the Apple podcast app that's been kind of the flagship because it was the flagship for podcasts. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're on Spreaker. We're on Stitcher. We're on whatever Google does. We're also on uh, Spotify and we're on Spotify. Thanks to the fine folks at the shining wizards network. So go to Spotify, look for the shining wizards network. You'll find us under there as well as a whole host of shows to just fill your week with joy. Mm-hmm. Of course, one of those shows, of course, is the flagship show, The Shining Wizards, the best uh, pro wrestling podcast going today. But right behind them, in terms of that, is our sister podcast, Wrestling Night in Canada. Um yeah, that's if you haven't had enough of your cool Uncle Snowy tonight, maybe go on over there and talk about everything that's going on in the world of pro wrestling. Like I said, myself and Mr. Matt Copper, we get deep dive into the whole CM Punk situation, which I'm going to make my way downstairs now to catch the replay of Raw and see what's going on with that to get us on out of here um southern lord records recently dropped a live record from the mighty power trip called live in seattle i thought maybe we'd go out on a track with that um once again rest in peace a radioactive metal alum, Riley Gale. We miss you, my friend. In the meantime and in between time, that's it. This has been an up and down the dial episode of Radioactive Metal. I'm Snowy White. And this is Aaron. Signing off. This song is called Manifest Decimation. 
Continue!